stop. Don't record this. I hope you didn't record me saying that. I love the police and the military, and the, I always stand up for the anthem. This better not come back and hurt me in, when I'm the prime minister. Something I do today that seems harmless. This is Van Collar. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, I'm joined by a returning guest coming back all the way from episode five of this podcast. He is one of Vancouver's brightest, funniest, and genuinely nicest comedic talents. This year, he was featured on the Netflix series Comedians of the World. He's also been prominently featured on Conan, CBC's The Debaters, Sirius XM Radio, and a whole host of comedy festivals, including the Just for Laughs Festival and the New York Comedy Festival. His debut comedy album, I Wanted to Be a Dinosaur, won last year's Juno Award for Comedy Album of the Year. It is now available on iTunes and Spotify, and you can also find his current podcast, Satan's Lawyer, wherever you get your podcasts. I go back more than a dozen years with this guy. I've seen him perform live more than any other comedian. The comical son returns. He is my friend, Ivan Decker. Ivan. Hello. How are you? It's so nice to be back. I'm well. It's so nice to see you. Yeah. It's always good to see you. I know. It's. Uh, it really doesn't feel like I'm home until I get to come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make that a tradition. Yeah. It's, we're going to have to record a lot. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of my listeners would be very happy with that. Good. When we first did our podcast together, you were just about to record your Netflix special, which was released on New Year's Day of this year. Yeah. But you reached another big milestone this year you got engaged i did congratulations yeah. uh it, that was uh, a little bit more difficult than the netflix <laughs> no I, I don't know they're about the same yeah <laughs> have you been able to scrub your profile off bumble because i have not received any reports of you still oh, being yeah. on there so um in the interest of uh doing the podcast <laughs> i went to bumble and I reinstalled the app. I told my fiance, I'm like, listen, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So if you get any weird things that I'm back on Bumble, <laughs> look at your finger and know that I am faithful to you. Oh, you did this after the engagement? Yeah. Okay. So Interesting. after we were engaged, I was like, uh, it was only like in the last couple of weeks because okay. I had forgotten about it until you reminded me. <laughs> uh, and so I went on and I like reactivated my profile and... It was crazy because it, it was, that's not me. Whoever's on there is not me because I had to remake my whole thing. And it has all these questions now, oh, which okay. I didn't know dating apps are getting this bad. I had to put in my height. <laughs> no weight, though. <laughs> Interesting. That's on the women's profile. Is it? Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's the- Probably. Those are the two numbers that each other cares about. But yeah, the height was there. Uh uh, university education was there. Religion mm. was there. Like there was a lot of questions in there that I'm like, you felt it was more intrusive this time. Yeah, I guess. Or I don't know. Maybe that's helpful. <laughs> what are you going to talk about on our first date, though? I think they should just do that. They should do all the like bad first date questions. Just right. have those 
in there too so yeah. that you can show up to the first date and be like I'm already bored of you <laughs> I know how many brothers and sisters you have I know you had a dog when you were a kid yeah. and it's name was Crackers and it had diabetes and you had to give it shots because your dad was afraid of needles um, yeah so I, I reinstalled it and then deleted it again so okay. hopefully it's gone. So it sounds like you didn't even just reinstall it, but you made a new profile. Well, yeah, because I just like downloaded the app, installed it, and then because it's still you log in with Facebook. And oh, so I was, see. Okay, yeah. Okay. I logged in with my old Facebook, and then it was still there. Like my old inbox was there, but it was like the last message I'd received was you know years ago when you were on when the I app. was on it. So so it must be a catfish. So it must be a catfish. Is that definitive? Because last time we speculated that it was probably someone yeah. fishing for nudes. Yeah. Do we think that's what it is? Yeah, maybe. Uh, oh, that's maybe what it is. I didn't realize what they would be catfishing for. But yeah, of course, they want nudes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm the right comedian to use to get nudes. I talk about like microwaves and stuff. They should have like a real, it's you the know, unassuming, like a dirtier nice guy. <laughs> Like, oh, he's a, he's a freak. Yeah. Man, <laughs> somebody's out there selling my good name. And, yeah. And uh, there's only one person I need nudes from now for the rest of my life. That's right. <laughs> it's you. Please hurry up and send them. <laughs> I'll keep you posted if I hear of any more sightings. Okay, great. Yes. Please I'm... let me know. We're going to take this bastard down. <laughs> confiscate all those nudes that's right that he's been collecting yeah with your those good are name. my nudes <laughs> if you're getting nudes with my <laughs> profile i want to see them at the very least now when it comes to your engagement yes. i'm very curious about your experience with purchasing or procuring this engagement ring oh what an ordeal when, when you decided to propose where did you start with buying the ring? Did you did you even know your partner's ring size? I did. Yeah, I knew her uh, ring size because we were on a vacation with her her best friend, who is the greatest. Okay. She really did me a favor, and I think that was kind of doing us both a favor because sure. she knew that if she did this, it would expedite the process. Yeah. So we were just like hanging out. We went to visit her. Uh, she has property in uh, Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Okay, nice. Home of the Jaws movie franchise. Sure. Um, and we went to a jewelry store and she was just like, hey, let's all get our ring sizes measured. <laughs> Why don't we do that? And then like as- Were uh, you guys in on this or- No, oh. she just did it like spontaneously wow. and then like looked at me and was like- so then when Emily was measuring her ring, she got the size. And she's like, oh, it seems like I'm like a 6.5. And then her friend looks at me and goes, did you hear that, Ivan? <laughs> 6.5. Put it in your phone. <laughs> and so I did. And that really helped. So then, yeah. uh, but it's still like when you go shopping for a ring, it's still not that size. So you still have to go and buy the ring and then they size it. And then it's uh, not ready. So it's such a weird thing because it's the largest purchase I've ever made in my life. It's yeah. so expensive. And it's all in one. Like, I didn't do any sort of payment plan. Like, I've bought... It's very funny to me because, like, for how expensive the ring was, I just, like, put it on my credit card. Sure. And then, like, paid it off. Whereas, like, I remember in, like, 2007 when I moved out, 
I got a TV that was only $1,200, and I think I spent three years paying it off. I was on like a Best Buy like payment $50 plan. $50 installments. Yeah, like 25 bucks a month for like seven years. Yeah. I was like, what am I doing? The interest was horrible. Yeah. Anyway, this is all, uh, I guess I'm just doing better than I was back then also. Uh, so where do you even start? So you know you have a ring size. That's good. That's a good start. And yeah. then where do you go? Did you go to several places? Yeah, what? I went to the mall. I just went to a mall okay. in California and was like, that's the only place I know where there are jewelry stores. Sure. And like, I know that you can go to like, there's like outlets and you can really kind of look around and find all these places. But the uh, the few that I went to, it was like, there were some nice rings, but they weren't expensive enough. I was like, if she finds out how much I paid for this, she will <laughs> take back the yes. <laughs> I needed it to be a certain price point. You know what it is. It's like, it can't be too cheap or... Like if they if she finds out she'll be like well what what does this even mean you were on Netflix yeah you you're could, on Netflix you could afford it needs to at least better. be more it was more expensive than my car I drive a bad car but sure. it was uh, <laughs> fair enough so I went to the mall and just I found a jewelry store that was uh, and it, it's crazy because like I don't like salespeople. And I know they've got me. That's the problem with going to buy a diamond is I don't know anything about them. Right. So, you know, it's like going into a mechanic or a dentist or any of these people yeah, who know everything and I know nothing. Yeah. And they're like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and so I was so worried. I brought a friend of mine with me, but he just kind of went off and started looking at watches for himself. And I'm like, this is the worst. You are supposed to be here to run defense for me. And he's just off in his own. Oh, maybe I'll buy a watch today. You're getting a ring. I'll get something for me. And I'm like, well, that was the worst person to bring. And so. Did he get a watch though? He did not. Okay. But he wasn't uh, really helping. Even that was wasted. Yeah. yeah. He kind of left me. But it did. It actually ended up working out because I found a ring uh, at like almost the, f it was like the third place I went. Okay. And uh, it was good. But it was very funny how like the salespeople, it's like they got a fish on the line and they they will not let you go. Like the second you're like, yeah, I think I might buy a diamond. They've got paperwork out. They're like getting you to sign oh, it. Oh, wow. You also have to go through like a little course on why you're paying so much for it. Because it's uh, also very funny. Well, it's like they teach you about diamonds okay. to justify the price that they're going to charge you. Give because, me some fun facts that you learned. Well, like the shape of the diamond, like the V at the bottom of the diamond. If yeah. it's like a shallow V, they were like talking about how like the way light goes in, it's basically like sparkle factor. It's like really? if it goes in- okay. If the angle's wrong, the light will bounce back out the bottom of the diamond, and it won't sparkle back at people. Oh, you don't want... Okay, yeah, You yeah. want it to sparkle back forward. Right. And then it's also like different types of light, how it sparkles, and there's all these grades sure. for the stone. And then so they, they teach me this, and then they pick up a diamond, and they're like, this one is... And then they just name like the best grades. Yeah. And then they're like, it's $10,000. And I'm like, well... I believe you, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you think this five-second course is going to give me the ability to tell? Okay. So they teach you about this scale. Then yeah. they tell you it's the top of the scale. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, when infomercials do the, like, what do you think you should pay for this? $400? No. <laughs> Only 100 Only three payments of forty nine ninety nine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I just got... I, I don't know. The whole world of like sales, I just 
always feel like I'm being bamboozled. Did you have to go through a course in each of these stores? No, I when I went into the third store, I was just like, yeah, I know what I want. Okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and she was very good. She had given me some uh, key, like the thing you want to figure out if you're buying an engagement ring is like, what kind of cut of the stone? So what shape of stone do you want? Okay. Do you want a round one or an oval one? What was your pick? Uh, just the regular classic, like, uh, round diamond. Okay, got it. And then you also got to know, like, is the band, do you want the band to be, like, braided or straight or what? You know, it's just what like- What did you pick there? Uh, braided. Okay. Now, obviously, the the ring was good enough for her to say yes. Yeah. But were you confident in the ring itself? And, and did you I was, know yes. that your partner was going to like this style? Yeah, because she had given me guidelines. Oh, she had? Yeah. Okay. Rose gold. Uh, and then another thing, like she told me the shape of the diamond she wanted, and then she told me the band. So you did have a discussion about this yeah. prior to but the But it's purchase. always you have to like kind of sneak it in and be like, hey, we were going to get married. And then I had to lead her on about like uh, the stage that I was at in terms of proposing. Right. Like I had already bought the ring and I was waiting for it to be sized when I had a conversation <laughs> with her being like, think about maybe going ring shopping soon. <laughs> and so then she was like, she thought that the proposal was going to be like this Christmas or something like right. way down the line. Yeah. And then I did it in the summertime. So how long were you sitting on the ring for? Um, no, not long at all. Okay. It was actually ready early. Oh, okay. And so I flew back up here early yeah. and proposed. <laughs> oh, good for you. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard of these couples that go ring shopping together? Have you heard of that? that like, I, yeah. I feel like more people are doing that. I think that's like a good, uh, it's a good way to get a ring you want. Yeah. Some, I've heard stories of women who like, can you look at the ring that... <laughs> The guy got me. And like most people are like, don't be so shallow. It's he loves you and this is the ring you thought you'd like. Yeah. But the problem is, is like if neither person, like if the guy's getting a ring and he thinks she'll like, but he doesn't really like, but then she doesn't like it, then it's nobody likes it. Yeah. That's the problem. So it's good to go together and then that way you can see. But then, of course, the surprise is gone. It's the same thing with the wedding. Uh, when you get the photos done, mm -hmm. you have to decide if you're going to do first look live. Because, like, what a lot of you're supposed to not see the bride until she's walking down the aisle. Sure, yeah. That's the candid, but in the interest of like efficiency with photographs, <laughs> yeah. Some couples do like a first look before the ceremony. Right. And those couples are all divorced for sure. <laughs> It's because bad they, luck. Because, Don't see the bride before. Well, they're prioritizing the photos over the actual Yeah, what are you, ceremony. running a scam? <laughs> Why do you care about the photos so much? Are you trying to get, the, you like, are you in the witness protection program? Do you need an alibi? <laughs> Just have a regular wedding. <laughs> I mean, I can't judge on any of this. Whatever makes a couple happy, it's, yeah. it's totally fine by me, but... I find with the ring shopping, like when you're shopping together, yeah, it does seem to take a bit of the the magic or the totally. surprise out of it, right? Because the surprise of the proposal is like, that's what's so fun. Yeah. When you get to kneel down and open the box. Totally. And I do like that you can have a discussion prior in terms of like, 
you know, what styles do you like or yeah. being able to figure out basic guidelines. Because even for a wedding, it's not like yeah. you're going in there blind. Yeah. There is some prep of what's going to happen. Although I did tell uh, her that I don't want to see any pictures of the dress. Oh. I don't want to see it till it, she's in it. Wh- why is the that? Because I want to be surprised. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Did you have any other demands for your wedding? <laughs> demands. <laughs> yes. Gro- no. Groomzilla? Shrimp. Yeah, I'm a groomzilla. <laughs> no, I'm very like, I don't care. Whatever makes everybody happy. So no shrimp? Is that real? No, I don't care. I actually, uh, on a weird side note, I'm thinking about trying to uh, not eat any seafood for 2020. Not because I don't like it, just because I think the oceans are in a real bad place. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I feel like you could make a wedding menu based on all the foods you talk about in your stand-up. Yeah, for sure. I probably could, because it's all of them. <laughs> it's just any menu. <laughs> well, I appreciate the insights into into purchasing a ring. I'm sure. going to file that into uh, whenever I need that. Yeah. But I want to bring this up. Unbeknownst to me, I heard many months after the fact that you were going around telling the ladies of Vancouver, or at least one, but I assume a plurality because we're friends, that I was marriage material. Was I? Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. <laughs> I'm not even making this up. I heard this from someone. Oh, yeah. That, uh, oh, I've, Ivan said that you were marriage material. And I was like, that is of course. very random. And I will take You're that all nice day. You're a very nice man. <laughs> Why not? Can I put that? In my Bumble profile. Yeah, absolutely. And my Bumble networking profile. Please. <laughs> and put some photos of me. Yeah. <laughs> and then ask for nudes. <laughs> then you'll figure out yeah. who's been catfishing <laughs> using your profile. Yeah, why do you think you're not? It's not that I don't think I'm not. I was just very surprised to hear that Ivan Decker had said that about me. Yeah, I was I'll very go to, flattered. I'll go to bat for you. Come on. <laughs> Endorsed by Ivan Decker. Yeah. That's going on every profile. You can get that's any, going on my LinkedIn. Any lady you want, send her my way. I'll have a stern I'll talk to her. I'll vouch for you. Well, I feel like that goes a long way. I mean, you're on Netflix. You're a Netflix star now. I don't know if I am. I it's hard to know because I live in Los Angeles where everybody's a Netflix star. Like I don't want to understate this because I know that obviously Netflix is churning out a lot of content, but being a comic on Netflix is like a very elite category of yeah, comic. It's, it's and I, pretty and I cool. I don't think there is another Vancouver-based or Vancouver-origin comedian on that platform. Um, I don't think so. I mean, Pete Johansson had a special on there. Okay. I don't know if he still does. I think he still does. But it wasn't. Was it a Netflix? But it produced? wasn't produced by Netflix. Yeah. It was just on the on the streaming platform. Sure. Um. Yeah. I think maybe I'm the only one. I guess. That's a cross to bear. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure another will come along. No, of course. I hope Very so. Soon. Yeah. I, there's many talents in this city. It's so good. Everybody here is amazing. And every time I come back, people get better. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to see all the comedians in town. And I always uh, am so happy to come home and, and get to be on shows with them. Yeah. And there's so many shows. I mean, there's obviously, now there's just Yuck Yucks in terms of the one comedy theater. Yeah. But in terms of little shows where all the comics end up performing during the week. It's great. The Jokes Please is the best show. Okay. It's so great. Yeah. It's on Little Mount. It's at Little Mount Gallery Thursday nights, and it's been going on for seven and a half years now. Thursday nights. Okay. I've seen some shows at Little Mountain Gallery, and they're awesome because they are- 
very hit or miss. Some are yeah. some are little gems, and then some I can see the creativity behind it, but it's just not, yeah. not resonating with me. <laughs> but I'm still there because yeah, because it's awesome. I it's guess. just a weird little space yeah. that I kind of enjoy. How has that Netflix spot changed your career? Uh, it opened up a lot of doors in the States because like you said, it's a pretty prestigious credit. Mm -hmm. And so to have it really allows me to start touring now in the States. And it's, it's a way to get in with clubs that wouldn't normally book me. So I can go in cold to a lot of these places like North Carolina, Nebraska, like all these States I've never been to before. Hmm. Having that one credit and getting in, I mean, it allowed me to get in with my, I'm with an agency now in LA. Oh, yeah. They're really good, and they represent a lot of comedians. And so, even if they don't book me, like, far in advance, the nice yeah. thing to be on, being on their roster is they have my calendar, and they know that I'm available, so when people drop out, they call me. Sure. And so, I've had quite a few, like, last-minute bookings to go to you know, somewhere crazy. Like, I think North Carolina was like, it was like two weeks. Oh, canceled. yeah? For two weeks? Uh, no, it was like two weeks before oh, the Oh, two show. weeks notice, okay. Because normally if I get booked at a club, I know like six months in advance. Right. Because you have time to book flights and stuff. But then sometimes it's like, I think uh, I did Omaha, Nebraska, because uh, John Heffron like dropped out and then okay. they, they called me. So it's it's been really fun. Cool. So that was kind of a cool side effect. And then also just the reach. It wasn't as huge as uh, anybody thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't hit, like, 10,000 Instagram. I'm still <laughs> sitting at, like, 4,000 Instagram followers. I don't really post a lot you on need, Instagram. You need more butt pics is what you need. Yeah, or, like, it's like Instagram, you have to either have, like, muscles, shirt off, or you do, like, videos of your stand-up every single day. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And it is. It's a tremendous amount of work. And I was doing it for like a couple weeks. And then the third video I uploaded, the codec was wrong and there was no sound. And so I was like, <laughs> well, I don't want to troubleshoot this. Yeah. This sucks. Just gave up on it. Like, because I know like Nate Bargatze does it, but he's got, he pays somebody like monthly, right? You just sure. you have to get, make enough money that you then have like a tech person that you can just be like, here, here's my, here's all the footage of me. Yeah. Here's my social media login that's information. That's a full-time job. Totally. And then you got to do the stories. You got to do the stories. <laughs> it's all, it's so much. And so, I mean, maybe I could start and then hopefully my Instagram follower account would get higher. Because the problem is it's this Catch-22 where like I want to be above 10,000 because then you can use Instagram to promote shows and stuff. Oh, okay. Because you can have the swipe up for tickets in the story. Oh, right. But unless yeah, yeah. you have 10,000 followers, you can't put links in your story. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought that was just like a paid feature. No, it's like you have to hit 10 grand. Interesting. And so I'm not there yet. Yeah. And so I'm like, I can't, I can't use it to promote because I don't have 10 grand, but I need 10 grand to use it to promote. So I'm just stuck <laughs> in this purgatory of Instagram followers. Sure. So. Were you able to at least savor the the Netflix special? Because I, again, I think it is a big deal. Yeah, it was very cool. And there were a lot of people that contacted me from all over the world, which was great. Yeah. You know, and I still get messages once in a while on social media, like Twitter or Facebook, that's like, hey, I saw your special. It's really great. Like, it was more yeah. in the early half of the year. Sure. It was cool. Like, people from all over the world. It's, it's really neat. 
And it's, it's a cool thing to be on there. Yeah, and I imagine for you, as far as I know, you haven't toured globally. You have performed in Canada and the U.S., but yeah. to get messages from around the world and to know that your comedy is resonating yeah, it's pretty outside neat. the continent is pretty yeah. cool, right? Because it's cool because it's subtitled in like a bunch of different languages. So I'd be interested to know like how people, if people like, I mean, I, the thing is, is I think that a lot of people all over the world speak English. Sure, yeah. But I think it'd be fun to get a message from somebody like who doesn't speak English who just read the subtitles in their language and they're like, your jokes are still funny. <laughs> just written out. The logic is sound. <laughs> it would be, it would be sweet if they dubbed it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then, then it's like, who's the person doing the voice? They should be the one touring. I got to bring them with me it's if your, I go over there. It's still your jokes, though. Yeah, but they're... And they got to match your cadence in your animation, oh, so... Man. That's a, that'd be a skill. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. So you've done primetime in the U.S. You've done a comedy album. You've done this special on Netflix. Is it rinse and repeat for you to do it all over again with a new cycle of material or yeah. do you have like a different or next goal that, that you're trying to reach? I think my next goal is to, I mean, I want to come out with another album. Mm -hmm. And so it is this weird thing with like the pressure's on now because uh, the things I've done up to this point objectively have been rather successful. So <laughs> I need to either meet Deservedly or so, I, I need say. to meet or exceed that level of quality. And yeah. so- but I have to do it in half the time. And so that's why it's so difficult because I why want half it. the time. Well, because it's it's now I have uh for lack of a better term, fans who want the material. Sure. And they want to see it and they want it to be new. And I want it to be new because it's more fun for me yeah. to perform material that I haven't performed before and know that I'm giving people something they haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it took me especially for my album, like it took me eight years to write that material for the album. And it took me a year and a half to do the material for Netflix. So sure. it's, it's now I'm at the point where I'm, I'm really trying to build another hour and I want it to be as good as the album or better. And so yeah. like the Netflix special was a little bit rushed, but I, I'm still happy with how it turned out, but mm -hmm. if I had had more time, I would have done a couple of things differently. I would have had more of a thread, more of a through line. I would have ended it on a callback, things like that. Sure, okay. So I want to try and make sure that I build that into my next hour. And so the goal is to have a new hour that is something that I can be proud of. And so I, you know, like any artist, this is the point. It's like, you know, well, you got to do another album. Right, the, so the sophomore effort. It's got to be good. I don't want it to be not good. <laughs> but I feel like you would have, and again, I'm speaking from complete ignorance here, but just assuming that that first go-around, you learned so much. And based on what you had learned, that cuts down a lot of time and perhaps Definitely. a lot of, we can call them mistakes or growing pains or whatever, yeah. that, that happened the first go-around, right? But at the same time, there's also a lot of luxuries you have when you are unknown that I don't have anymore. Such as? Such as uh, nobody cares who you are <laughs> and whether or not you bomb. That's not something that exists in my life anymore. I have to do at least a little bit well yeah. if people are in the crowd expect, and I want them to come and see me again. Sure. And the other thing that I was talking to a friend of mine about quite recently was... Uh, something happens to you when you reach a level of success where I come back and I want to work on new material and I do a show, but mm -hmm. the people who do the show are, they're very nice and kind, but they want me to close the show. They want me to be the last comic. Right. Because you're a name. 
Yeah, but and then so there's pressure. Like I can't go up and do 20 minutes of brand new material to close out an evening <laughs> that had my name on it and people bought tickets. Right. They're going to ask for their money back. Yeah. And they're going to call Netflix and get them to delete my special. So I have to do some... <laughs> So it's like I don't have the luxury of, I mean, I know some comics, for the longest time, American comics actually used Canada for this. So, like, the bigger names yeah. would tour here when they were working on a new hour. And oh, And they would come up here and do, like, an hour of kind of nothing. Yeah, like a farm league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, their special's very loose. Yeah. All the bits are, like, twice as long as they should be. Yeah. You're experimenting with words before you figure out which ones to take out and where the jokes go. And it is really this, uh, especially since the comedy mix has closed, mm -hmm. I have lost my training facility, right? I have no gym right. anymore. So I'm only playing in games. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, like, practice so it's a little bit hard. I have to learn to... But these smaller gigs, they, they don't act as practice? They do a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's sort of a fun new chapter where I have to learn to do what the extremely successful professional comedians do, which is figure out how to do new stuff in your main show. Right. So when I do a theater or when I headline a club, and I have, I'm still I'm doing an hour, mm -hmm. I have my old stuff in there, but... I'm slowly morphing it into the new hour. So right. you're taking out one joke at a time, replacing it with a new joke. Interesting. Seeing if it works. If it does, keep it. F then figure out where it belongs in the hour. Is it early? Is it late? Does it flow into this joke? Does it come out of that joke better? Yeah. Is it better if I put it here? Then I can call back to it at this place. And you're sort of, you know, it's like, building a plane it's like replacing all the parts of an airplane while it's still flying yeah instead of being able to go into the hangar take it all apart put it back together take off again mm -hmm. See, i that, have to do it in flight <laughs> that's fascinating for me because you just said that for your next special or next hour you want to create a through line you want it to be maybe be a little a little more cohesive so you are already thinking about these things which would make sense to build something from the ground up as opposed to doing this, like, yeah, which substituting is, parts yeah. method. And, I mean, and that's a very North American thing. Because in the fringe world, in, like, the UK and the places where, like, those comedians who do, like, Edinburgh Fringe every year, they do a new hour every year. So they, right. when they do an hour, they can't have any jokes that they've told. They dump it. Yeah. And they're like, it's gone, and I've got a new hour now that I'm doing this year. And then I guess... I guess it's like a play. Like, I guess you just start doing it, yeah. and it's very bad, <laughs> and then you just refine it as you perform it, and then by the time you've done it 50 times, it's much better. Sure. So- Are you doing a lot of shows in LA where you where you live now, or spend half your time, I should yeah, say? Yeah, I'm doing shows down there, but the it's still at the point where, like, I don't want to bomb, because there's so many comedians down there. I'm still trying to, like- make a name for myself, you know, and right. be known. The To have the comfort to be able to, like, bomb in L.A. and then still get booked again, it's yeah. like, you got to be Mark Marin. Like, you can't... Really? I don't, like, or, like, you got to be, like, pretty in with somebody who books a show. But I guess I'm just curious about the stakes being that high, that if you bomb one show, it, it sets you back. Like, it, that sounds yeah. like we're, what it's, you're saying. It does, and until you've established yourself. Huh. So... But you have the Netflix card. I don't know. Nobody seems to care about that. 
It's LA. Everybody has to pretend like nothing's impressive. I, lo- I love being in a town where everybody's just fake. Like, I don't think there's anything you could do that would impress like a door guy at the comedy. Really? Store. You're just like, oh yeah, I, I, it's me. I'm I'm the ghost of Johnny Carson. They'll be like, I had never heard of him. Back of the line, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what is that difference between people in Los Angeles and especially the people that you're around in, in the yeah. comedy scene versus people here? Um, I don't know. Americans are weird. They're different. Yeah. I just don't I haven't quite figured it out. <laughs> if I can figure it out, then I think I'll do better. Yeah. At stand up. Is there. it all Americans or cuz I feel like perhaps people from LA are quite a lot different and and not representative of Americans that you might sure. perform in yeah, front of yeah. in Nebraska yeah, or North Carolina. Yeah, in the Midwest, Carolina. they're very similar to like Saskatchewan here. Sure. You know, it's a lot of like blue collar workers. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I don't really know. I haven't really figured it out. I'd like to tour more in the States and, and get to know the cities that I like. I mean, I really like Seattle because it's sort of the closest thing <laughs> it's to very Vancouver. Similar. It's very That's bad. I should pick a more different... <laughs> You know, I want to go to like Atlanta and like try to do well there. Yeah. Because that's so different from here. Are there any cities? I mean, you just said Atlanta, but are there any cities specifically that you're like, I need to perform here? I really want to perform in St. Louis, Missouri. Really? I don't know why. I mean, it's a very white privileged thing to just be like, I'd like to go to the South, of course, (laughs) because nobody wants to go to the South. But, uh, you know, that to me seems like as far away from Canada as you can get in North America, except for Mexico, of course. But sure. it's like they're so different yeah. down there. But then also kind of the same because like Missouri and uh, whatever state New Orleans is in. Uh, <laughs> Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. They were like, we have this old connection with them as Canadians because that's where they sent all the French people that didn't want to fight in the revolutionary war in Canada. And so it's kind of interesting that like it came from there. It's also so funny to hear all the French words in the, in America that are like that cause they have no French. Like we at least try to pronounce them a little bit French here, (laughs) but they're like foyer (laughs) or even like Detroit is yeah. like that's a French word for the oh, three. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's because the three rivers. It's like I have a proposition for you. Yes, to celebrate all your accomplishments for the year. Okay, I think you should go back to Nakem, Saskatchewan. <laughs> I will never. The only time I'm going <laughs> show back them what's there, what. I have said I will go back there to unveil a statue of myself on the land that belonged to the venue that I performed in that I plan on purchasing and bulldozing. <laughs> what was the venue? Do you remember? It was just the town hall. Oh, the town hall. So no town hall for you, Nakam. Wow. You get a statue of me. Yeah. Instead. I, th- I think you should go back. I think you should bring your Juno, bring all the posters with you and the Netflix logo on it, wear a Conan shirt. I don't, I mean, I'm giving the town a bad rap because <laughs> it wasn't everybody in the town at what this gig. What happened let's, let's catch everyone up. It was, I did a a corporate Christmas party for a car dealership in this extremely small town in Saskatchewan. A car dealership? Yeah. Interesting. And so, again, like salespeople. Mm -hmm. So. Your favorite. Not my kind of people. (laughs) But they hated me. They couldn't have hated me more. I bombed so hard, and it wasn't even like heckling bomb or like, 
They're yelling at me. Like, they literally just folded their hands and stared at the table for 45 straight minutes. Really? It was extremely uncomfortable for everyone involved. See, this strikes me as so odd because... I believe I said in the last podcast, and I'll tell you again, I don't think I've ever seen you bomb. And I've seen you play a variety of different venues. Yeah. So it's really unfathomable for me that you would elicit that type of response from a crowd. Yeah, I just didn't hit. Whatever happened, you know, corporates are so hard because you have to get them right away. Because Mm -hmm. if they decide, because they know each other, they work together all year. Right. And so if you can't hit the vibe of that group of people, whatever the vibe is in their office. Yeah. If you don't make the right couple of people laugh right out of the gate, they will all decide unanimously that they hate you. (laughs) And then nobody wants to be- Within the span of how many minutes? Two. Two minutes, wow. You've got one joke. (laughs) Not even a joke. You've got your hello to get them. And if they don't respond to that, you're in deep trouble. And I did everything I could. I put my closing joke first. Like I really was pulling out every, I shoveled all the coal on the fire of the train to get it up the hill and it did not make it. Did you bring out the curse words too? No, I can't. It's a corporate Christmas party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe that's what they wanted. I don't know. (laughs) But they were so hateful of me and then the main problem was uh i wasn't staying in town i had to drive for three hours through the snow back to saskatoon oh wow um they didn't put you up in a hotel i don't think there's hotels in that town it's so Uh. small and i went back and then they did not they wanted to not pay me to come there and i'd flown there staying they were like we're not gonna pay after the show after the show and so uh my they called my agency that booked me. Yeah. Or the agency that wasn't my agency. Yeah. It was just an agency that I was working with at the time. Sure. And they agreed to only pay me half. What? Which I was like, well, then I'm never working for you again. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to work for a company that won't. I did the material I do on television. It's not like I went out there and just made it all up. This yeah. is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I need, I want to do well just as much as they want me yeah, to do Yeah, of well. course. So I was like, if it doesn't line up, it's not my fault. If you order something in a restaurant that you don't like, you don't get to get a refund. Yeah. You don't go to a restaurant, you're like, ah, I think I'll try Muscles Ranchero for the first time ever. Yeah. And then you try one and you're like, this is gross. I would like my money back. Well, no, this is how it's done. Yeah. Some people really like this. Yeah. You have to pay us. You asked for it. Some people believe that, though. I know. That's how some people behave in restaurants. I know. Some entire towns believe it with comedians. <laughs> and so You're really giving a bad rap to the entire town, not Well, it's a very small population. <laughs> somebody everybody in that show knows somebody in town. Yeah. And my father is from Saskatchewan. My family's from Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. They're all from the prairies. They came over uh, very early on. Where in Saskatchewan? Uh, my dad was born in North Battleford. Okay. And Haven't so I know. this. These are kind of my people, and I understand. But they were just the worst. And so uh, my dad uh, texted me. It was like a couple years ago. It was shortly after the Nakam situation. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, uh, there was like a really bad tornado headed there and he was like hey you're in luck they might get wiped off the map (laughs) and i was like good oh man no i don't know maybe the town i don't know i don't want the mayor of nakem coming after me on twitter no fair enough but i do hate that town and everyone in it (laughs) that'll be how i get canceled (laughs) i i hope you go back 
I would like to go back. I'd like to do a reunion show. Yeah. And How tour. did that affect you personally? Like, I, I've I've seen you in the media talk about the Nakem show. That's how, that's yeah. why I brought it up. Obviously, it affected me because I keep bringing it up. <laughs> I still have a lot of raw feelings. It was so long ago. Like, yeah. I'm sure if I went back, I could do well now. I learned from it. Was that your biggest... Is that your biggest bomb? It's the worst show I've ever done. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I hold that in very... I hold that very dear to me because anytime I'm in a bad show... I can think to myself, well, at least this isn't as bad as Nakem. You know. But sometimes falling flat on your face can also be rewarding, especially when you do have success, right? Yeah. Yeah. It feels good uh, to know that. I mean, and it's it's also the thing of like, you don't really, as an artist, you don't really know what to believe. Yeah. If people like your product or not. Right. You have no idea. I just do it. I just talk and people laugh and sometimes they say it's good. And so I believe them. If enough people tell me I'm good, I start to believe them. Yeah. But then I go to a place like Nickham yeah. and, you know, everything breaks down because you're like, no, I'm not good. Clearly, <laughs> I couldn't make anybody here laugh. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's so funny how, especially with social media now, your access is only to so whatever feedback you get mm -hmm. that's what you think you're worth yeah. your value is and so if you don't have enough twitter followers and if you don't and i and this is somebody who works in entertainment like i can't even regular people are going through this teenagers are going sure. through this depression of not having enough and like when netflix came out there was a significant amount of negative comments that came to me as well Oh, more directly? so than positive. Yeah, people would come into my DMs and be like, "You're like a terrible John Mulaney. You need to quit." Wow, things like that. And you know, you start to when you get enough of that, you're like, "I guess they're right. I don't really know." It's so weird the fragility of, you know. I guess maybe I need to have like whatever the psychosis is that the comedians have that are very bad but mm -hmm. still perform every single day, I want, I want to talk to them. Obliviousness. And be like, what's going on in your brain that allows you... Like, if I have one bad set, I'm like, I guess I should quit. <laughs> when it comes to those DMs, I feel like those might be Russian bots. Or... Meddling in our culture. They might be Russian bots, but I also had an epiphany. It, was, it wasn't until, like, halfway through the year that I finally realized... The people that are like on Reddit or YouTube or messaging me, telling me I'm bad, they're comedians. They're failed comedians. <laughs> they're all people who tried stand-up and couldn't do it. And so they watch my Netflix and they go, well, I... He didn't deserve I've it. I've watched things I don't like. I don't find the guy in it yeah. on social media, sit down, type out, <laughs> dear person I saw... I did not enjoy the thing you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just turn it off. <laughs> Do you know how much art and stuff there is to consume? YouTube alone has more hours than any human could ever watch. Yeah. If you don't like something... Yeah, watch something else. Just walk away. <laughs> it's so insane how people get invested in these things. Yeah. I don't understand it's, it. It's interesting because you are... Your craft is in that field where you get instant feedback, right? It's not yeah. like you're putting out a book and you're, you're watching someone read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're watching Waiting people. Waiting for the tweets. <laughs> you're, but you're watching people react to you instantaneously when you're on stage. Yeah. Right? And yeah, I imagine that would definitely mess with your head when you have a bad set or you get 
yeah. someone coming up to you and saying, I didn't like that or whatever. Yeah. Like You're terrible. But it's like, you know. And you're seeing their faces. Like you're watching people's faces yeah. while you're performing. I'm watching an entire town <laughs> hate me. It's very fun. Yeah. Part of it's fun. But I feel like the positive feedback must greatly outweigh of course. the when little negative feedback you get. you go to a place you you've never been before and you do something... Because that's also insane. Yeah. The thing that's crazy to me is that bombing doesn't happen as often as it does. Because mathematically, that should be what happens most of the time. You know how crazy it is for me to get on a plane and go to a place I've never been. Yeah. I've never met these people. We don't know each other. We share nothing. We have almost nothing in common. Yeah. And somehow I can just say words at them and they laugh and clap at me. That's insane. That should never happen. And yet it seems to succeed more often than it fails, which is so astounding to me. Well, I think there's two things. One, you're that good. Well, that's very good. I'll give you that. (laughs) But then also, to your advantage and to other comedians' advantage, people are going out to have a good time. Eh, Not in every town. (laughs) Not naked. Some places. (laughs) But you know what I mean, though, right? Like, they're not, it's not like you're standing out on a street corner trying to make people laugh. No, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Last time you were here, I um, I think I referred to you as the millennial Seinfeld with shades of Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. But I completely ignored one of your influences, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Did you watch his new special? I did. What'd you think? I thought it was good. I mean, it's weird with Dave because I think he's in that place, too, where... It's not the same as it was. Comedians mm-hmm. can no longer build an act by going and doing five minutes somewhere. Because it's going to, especially if you're at that level. Yeah, it's going to leak. Someone's going to film it on their phone and it's going to get leaked. Yeah. Which is why people like now what Chris Rock does and I think what Dave does too is they lock up people's phones. Mm-hmm. I've been to a few shows that do that now. Yeah. Which yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. But it's also such a weird kind of thing that's like... They're still going to remember what you said. And I mean, he talks about that in the special. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things in it that are quite controversial and like things that he jokes about that I'm aware upset a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's something that I sort of struggle with because it is really hard because I still laugh at the things that are funny. Yeah. And I think that it's also kind of interesting if you read the news. The thing that struck me was uh, the news articles about it talked about everything he said and nowhere in the news article the word joke was like suspiciously absent from a lot of the they were like dave chappelle stated in his special right he didn't state anything (laughs) he's doing material he's i don't know if you understand comedy you say a thing to elicit a response yeah from the audience some people only do it to elicit a laughter response, but playing with tension and playing with the things that get people, get their blood boiling or get them emotionally off balance, Mm -hmm. that's how you get the laugh out of them. It's how you get the bigger reaction because if you kind of get people into a fervor, Mm -hmm. but then it's hard too when you are removed from it and you're not seeing it live because the thing about all these specials that people go like, it was so offensive, I can't believe the people in there were laughing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because they were in there. Yeah. If you were in there, you would have been laughing too. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Some people are able to kind of resist that, but 
But it goes back to that same idea of you're going to a show to have a good time, to laugh. You're yeah, not going and, to a show to get And stand-up is so important to see live. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a lot of people sort of talking about stand-up right now that have never seen it live. And I think that right. that's kind of a disservice to your own integrity as a journalist. Yeah. If all you do is watch these specials on tape, that's fine because that's the way they are meant to be consumed. Mm -hmm. But when you start to then examine stand-up comedy under a certain microscope and you've never seen it live, you've never been in the room. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, is it's like, also these are the top level of stand-up. Like, if you want to be offended, go to an open mic and see what happens when the people are saying the things Dave is saying without the punchlines. Yeah. Then you'll really be offended. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not excusing Dave for some of the things that he says, but I definitely think that, you know, it's the intent to harm is not there. So... You know, it's like if you th- look at it in terms of a crime, it's more negligence than murder. <laughs> Maybe Does that make sense? Right. Is that your review? Your headline? No, it's not. It's hard. It's a hard thing to talk about because I know everybody has a different comedic sensibility. But I think the, the main thing is, you know, the biggest fear I have, and I talk about this on my podcast too, because our whole thing is that we joke about we defend indefensible topics. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. subject of the podcast. Yeah. So we take something that unanimously people think is a good thing and we say it's bad. Yeah. But we do it tongue in cheek. And the the thing I would always, I'm always afraid of is I would never want to create art that people use to, uh, use as a foundation for hatred. Sure. When yeah. people start, you like you know the way like the alt right people would use like South Park or yeah. Rick and Morty, and it's like I would hate to do something that people would use to, like I said, spread a message of hate because it's mm-hmm. not what I'm about at yeah. all. Uh, and so maybe somebody like Dave is a l- less concerned about that, or he just knows that it's going to happen anyway, and so you have to just do it. I remember I actually read a couple of the articles. Vice had an article, and there was a few other online sources. So I read a few of the articles, and I was like, oh. Did you watch it? I I never even asked. Did you watch the special? I did, yeah. But I read a few of the articles, and then I had a friend tell me, like, oh, it's kind of cringy. I wasn't a big fan. So I went in with pretty lowered expectations, and not expectations to be outraged, but just thought, okay, maybe I'll watch it, and then, you know, in the first 15, 20 minutes, if it's not my thing, I'll turn it off. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my favorite special, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I laughed. (laughs) Right? Right? There was a couple moments, I'm thinking of particularly the Chinese impersonation, where I kind of cringed a little bit, and I was not down with that, but it's not like I was outraged. But I also understood that that was the venue for that kind of material. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I, I I like your principle of trying to create something that people will not use to hurt or harm other people. Yeah. Right? That's a that's a really interesting principle to use. But then again, you're not in control of what other people are gonna do. I know, and that's the challenge. Material. And people get offended about everything. I mean, I I have a joke about oatmeal in my Netflix special. Yeah. And somebody came after me being like, Oh, you don't like instant oatmeal? Well, you know who eats a lot of instant oatmeal? 
the troops. <laughs> so if you don't like instant oatmeal, you're obviously against the troops. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is insane. <laughs> this guy worked for General Mills? Or? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing. It's like anything you talk about, there's not going to be anything that everybody in the world will find funny. That's what's yeah. so beautiful about comedy. Yeah. And everybody needs to stop acting like that's even possible. <laughs> you can't tell a joke that everyone in the world will laugh at. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, except maybe Brian Regan's joke about logging trucks going when they pass each other, going the opposite direction. It's very confusing because <laughs> it's like, you had logs over there? We had, if they need logs over there and they need logs back here, I think a phone call would have saved some time. Right. <laughs> but, you know, maybe loggers are like, hey, I don't like that bit. Yeah. You, know, you don't understand the intricacies of logging logistics. Yeah. So it's all, there's always going to be somebody that's on the outside and that doesn't feel good. And I mean... I think something to examine maybe more closely is how social media has othered almost everybody. Yeah. The whole thing in social media is feeling like you're on the outside. This platform that was designed to make everybody feel included has done exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. All everybody does now is look at their phone and feel like they're missing out. And it's that idea that even though we're communicating more and with more people, somehow it still evokes a sense of loneliness. Yeah. And it's especially apparent for me right now because I didn't realize until uh, I was back. Every time I come back to Vancouver, I, mm -hmm. I love it because I can actually see a community of comedians that I know and sure. I enjoy spending time with because what people don't realize is if you're a freelancer anybody who works like I do where you're just kind of like I'm just like a traveling salesman <laughs> of word <laughs> jokes yeah and so I don't have a community of people like after I quit my last full-time job mm -hmm. it is uh I don't like the idea of not having a group of people somewhere that expect me to be there every day yeah. Even if you hate the people you work with. Yeah, yeah. It's still nice to go there and they're there. And you're like, ah, that's Sarah. She always makes really smelly tea. But it's like, that's why everybody loved The Office. Yeah. Because it, it talks about that. You spend more time, most people spend more time at work than they do with their families. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, these it's are the people. It's a social routine you get into and there's yeah. comfort in that. And so this fake one that everybody is going to on their phones, it's not nearly as good. Yeah. When it comes to this idea of outrage, I mean, first of all, I think social media is the worst platform to have a lot of important discussions. Because I, I think some of the outrage that we see, it brings up important points and cultural conversations, but yeah. it's so hard to have a genuine It's bad. Did discussion. you watch uh, Red State, Blue State, Colin Quinn's new special? No, no. He talks about that? He talks about this, and it's great. Yeah. It came out earlier this year. Um and it's on Netflix, so I highly recommend it. He's fantastic. It's just hard to convey a genuineness or even good faith. Totally. Because I think you can have a good faith conversation in person yeah. much more easily than on Twitter, where people are chiming in and throwing gifs at you. <laughs> and links to articles that no one reads. Yeah, clickbait. some website you've never heard of. and Nobody checks sources anymore. Nobody understands the scientific method. I mean... 
We can't even convince people that the earth is round. Like, how are you going to have a political discussion on the internet? Yeah. Can you imagine trying to solve climate change when there are people that think the world is flat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they should be worried about it because the ice is, that surrounds the earth is going to melt. Right. Oh, maybe that's how you get them in. Yeah. The wall of ice. <laughs> Before I let you go, I have a couple more questions. Sure. You talked about this idea of community. Who are some of your local favorites here? Oh, people that people should see uh, in Vancouver that I uh, enjoy. I don't <laughs> know if they, I mean, they're uh, Jacob Samuel, good friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, favorite that I uh, really enjoy. Um, uh, Andrea Jin is very funny. Uh, I enjoy watching her anytime I'm in town. Um, Casey Novak. Another very funny comedian. There's a lot. Just go to Kino on a Tuesday. Or go to Jokes, Please on a Thursday. They're on your endorsed list, just yeah. like I'm on your endorsed list, apparently. Of course. <laughs> I just want everybody to have a good time and be happy. And if, yeah. if, uh, if that means that I can direct them towards good people, I will gladly do that. I love that. Tell me about your podcast, Satan's Lawyer. Oh, uh, it's a monthly podcast. Um we do once a month a podcast uh, topic about we defend the indefensible. It's kind of a play on the word devil's advocate, of course. Sure. Uh, it's myself and a good friend of mine, Andre Summers, who is a contributing writer for the Beaverton. Oh, okay, he cool. He was one of the uh, first contributing writers back when the Beaverton was just a website, not, cool. a, not a television show. And uh, we've had a few guests on um but mostly it's just the two of us. Yeah. And uh, each episode features uh, some small scripted sequences. We talk about indefensible things we've done in our daily lives. Sure. And then each episode centers around uh, a topic that we choose. And so some of the ones we've done are like um, uh, climate change is great or like democracy <laughs> is bad okay yeah things like that um and there's and we, you're both arguing the case or are you doing yeah a... we both make uh different points about why <laughs> it's uh and then we also do a lot of research and and there there is a little information section before we talk about it for real sure or before we talk about it sort of tongue-in-cheek we have a thing about we did like the royal family when i had to i had to look into the royal family so much yeah i had no idea about all the stupid lineages <laughs> did you know they're all german most of them are german they're so german <laughs> <laughs> do you guys record in person does he live in vancouver uh he does we okay. actually record uh i mean i don't know this is this might be boring for oh, the people just, listening I was actually just curious, but yeah. we do uh proxy i record but it's I, like I, I know you've probably listened to podcasts where they yeah. have phone-in guests it's yeah. terrible because it the, is ter- and that's why i'm asking because the quality is actually very off. good so i record my own half on my microphone on my computer oh he records his half we have a conversation on uh discord because uh, it's yeah, it's good latency, so you're not gonna. It's for gamers, so yeah, they yeah. need to be able to talk quick. <laughs> the guy's over there. You can't. It can't be a delay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we use that, and then I just send him my half, and he stitches them together, and it's actually remarkable. It sounds like we're in the same room. It does. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. He does a great I, job. Ivan, how do people follow you? How do they stay up to date with all things Ivan Decker? Well, if uh, you could get 6,000 more people to follow me on Instagram, that'd be great. Uh, and I'm trying to stop my Twitter. I've quit on Instagram. 
Yeah, it's at Ivan W. Decker. I thought Twitter was going to die, but it's it's still going. President Trump, baby. He yeah. brought it back. Trump he did. Made, he made Twitter great again. He really did. <laughs> he really got, and he really got a lot of trolls on there, which I'm not happy about. <laughs> trolls and bots. Because also the thing is, is like I'm tagged, uh, or I was tagged in a tweet about this tour I just did yeah. with Rick Mercer. Yeah. And so I've been in the at replies because people are lazy. They just go, it was Rick's pinned tweet for a long time. Oh, so yeah, So they would yeah. just reply to that. And so I would get messages for just him. <laughs> but it would be like coming through to my Twitter like, did you know the conservative party used your picture? It's like, I don't care about this. <laughs> but yeah, I'm at Twitter at Ivan Decker, uh, Instagram at Ivan W. Decker, and uh, uh, Netflix, <laughs> uh, Comedians of the World, episode two. You can just search for Ivan Decker on Netflix oh, and, and it you'll comes find up. it. Yeah, Great. yeah. All right, that's do how that. I, that's how I found it recently because I wanted to watch it again before oh, I had you in here. And it's a, it's a very easy search. Sweet. Okay. Well, I'll do that. <laughs> I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for coming back. Hey, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, catch him on Netflix, Comedians of the World. Check out his Juno Award-winning comedy album, I Wanted to Be a Dinosaur, on Spotify and iTunes. And search for him where you get your podcast because he's on a bunch of them, including his own called Satan's Lawyer. He is Ivan Decker, and I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>